As I mentioned earlier, Youth Sunday, Graduate Sunday is always a delight, a joy, bittersweet in some ways. Um, as our graduates look ahead, a lot of them are devoting their lives to something, or as best they can imagine, to something that they hope to achieve one day in their life. Uh, for many of us here this morning, we have devoted ourselves to many aspects as well. Some of us have devoted ourselves to a job. Some of us have devoted ourselves to our family. Some of us have devoted ourselves to a whole host of different things. So as we honor our graduates and the dreams that they have this morning, I can't help but wonder, what is the next phase for us as we consider, like the seniors are this morning, what is the next phase of life? And for some of us, it might be a job change. It might be entering into retirement. It might be entering into a new little one into the family. There are many things that are always changing in our lives, but we always center around some sort of devotion, some dedication in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. And we're going to see the importance of no matter what we devote ourselves to, we need to ultimately devote our lives to God. And as I mentioned, asking the question of what we are devoting ourselves to, some of us, it is a job for our seniors. They're hoping one day to have a job, an aspiration, a career that they will hopefully invest in for a long time. Uh, for some of our graduates, as they enter into the next phase of life, they're thinking, you know what, K through 12, that was pretty rough. I'm going to take a sabbatical. I'm going to take some time off, right? And for some of us who are sitting here this morning, you're thinking, boy, buddy, you thought K through 12 was rough. Wait till real life, right? But for some, academics are not their highest achievements, their highest goals, or maybe their greatest strengths. And so taking that break, that year or two off to, to recalibrate, to think through, whatever. And I'm sure for mom, for some of their children, they're happy to have them home. For others, they're like, it's time to move out. But what are you devoted to? For some, as we heard this morning, they're going off to university, to college, to earn a degree, to continue their education towards that career path before them. And what I can hope for us here this morning, my prayer for us here this morning, is that no matter what our pursuits are, that this morning we will consider and grow in our devotion to Jesus Christ for our lives here this morning. And so Paul is going to walk us through in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to be in, obviously in the latter part of the letter that he wrote to the church there. So we're going to get some contextual clues as we walk through why Paul thought it was so important to share what he's about to share with them. But Paul writes this letter to a church that's doing well. And in fact, as we look into the passage we're going to read this morning, he's going to say a couple different times, you're doing this well. Continue on, continue pursuing, continue going on for Christ. And as he writes the letter, as you go down through, you'll see that he talks about their faith and how they are an example to the churches around them, to the region around them. The church is located in northern Greece. Uh, it's a port city. It is a high traffic area. It's part of the Roman providence of the day. Paul's going to talk about how he ministered to them and the importance of seeing them again. 
But he also is talking about earlier in chapter 3 about how Timothy has written back to them saying, hey, they are doing well. And so he's encouraged by seeing believers walk faithfully in their path towards Christ. And that is always our prayer for our graduates as they move on to the next phase of life ahead of them is that they continue on walking faithfully towards Christ, doing what he's called them to, deepening their walk with him, deepening their devotion with him. And so this morning we're going to see from Paul two areas that we can continually grow in no matter what stage of life we're in, whether we are just starting out, maybe we're still at home doing the whole kid under parent thing, or we are in young adult phase, or maybe middle age phase, or wisdom age. I'll let you figure that one out. Um, But no matter what phase of life we're in, Paul is going to remind us that if we are walking through life in Christ, we will never finally achieve that end point of graduation until we are with him in eternity which is an encouragement for us also this morning. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, we're going to see the first area that we can grow in here this morning and that we can grow in our purpose in Christ. So Paul writes, he says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk in the please God, just as you are doing, that you may do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And so Paul is going to move throughout this chapter talking about what our purpose is in Christ. And he's going to say, I want you to have this desire, this longing, such as Psalm 42 verse 1 where it talks about the deer panting after the water, after a river. Which is not hard to imagine right now, given our current climate around us, of a desire in the heat of the day for a cool drink of water to parch that longing we have. And it's not hard to imagine either what it would be like if a deer or ourselves do not suffice our bodies with the needed nourishment of a water that we wouldn't last very long outside. The sun would do a number on us. And so Paul is saying, church, you must continue on pursuing Christ like that. That hunger, that thirsting for righteousness, that seeking him continually. In fact, John writes a similar idea in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 through 14, reminding us of the importance of pursuing a knowledge of Jesus deeper and deeper. And he starts off talking about little children. And he says, you must grow in your knowledge of Christ. And then he talks about young men. You must continue on pursuing and growing and maturing. And he talks about the older men as well. And you can't help but just get the visual picture that nobody wants to see a 30-something-year-old adult struggling to pronounce words. Like, I want to go outside. You outside? Outside? Or throwing their Cheerios on the ground and having huge tantrums because they dumped their Cheerios that they purposely knocked over themselves. Nobody wants to see that 30-year-old who does that, right? And so Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica saying, church, you must continually grow, continually mature, continually develop. You might ask the question then, What is that purpose to which we are called to here this morning? And it comes in verse 1 where he says, Just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. 
So what is that purpose? Ultimately, our purpose is to please God with our entire lives. We are to pursue him like a deer pursuing after nourishment in the wilderness. We are to seek God continually, growing and seeking out his will for our lives. And one of the greatest verses you can ever come across in the Bible is that the question of what is God's will for my life? And Paul's going to address one of those for us here this morning and that he's especially going to say, this is the will of God for you. But how do we go about living out this principle that Paul is talking about? And it comes in verses 3 through 5. He says, for this is the will of God for you, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, and that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So we ask the question of, what is this way of pleasing God with my whole life, and it's controlling our bodies through a purity of mind, living self-controlled lives that are rooted in the gospel. Right? We cannot do this in and of ourselves. It is impossible apart from a relationship with Jesus, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives to walk this type of self-controlled life. And Paul is saying, the way you're going to know that you are a follower of Christ is that your life is going to be changed. It's going to be different, as he says there in verse 5, that you're not going to walk like the Gentiles walk in the passions of their lust because they do not know God. And it's not this idea of an intellectual knowledge, but this is a knowledge that is based in an experiential life that has been changed and transformed by the gospel. A point in which you can say, yes, there's been a moment in my life where I recognize I was a sinner in need of saving grace. I acknowledge that I've broken God's laws, his rules, his commandments. I have broken them all. As the Bible says that our deeds, our wages of sin is death. Everything that we do is, is filthy before the face of God. And so we acknowledge that and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that he is the only way for us to ever have any chance of eternity with God. And we believe that with all of our heart in saying that if I am to continue in my sin, I will be lost forever. But if I am confessing it and forgiven by the grace of God, then I will walk in eternity with him. And why is all of this important of how we walk, how we understand our purpose in our life. It's important because Paul says there is that we are to walk in holiness and honor. And so one of the best ways that we do that is by picking up our Bible and reading it and studying it and living it out, having lives that are self-controlled. We can't know how to live if we don't know the instructions from who gave it to us. So maybe you picked up your Bibles today and you're reading through and you're trying to figure out what is my purpose? What is the point to how I live my life? And you come across Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And you read, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. 
weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So you might have been reading that and go, okay, what is my purpose? How am I to please God? And Paul lays out pretty explicitly in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, of some ways that we can do that very same thing. But we do these things because we are a holy people. We are called out people, as 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16 reminds us, that we are holy because God is holy. We are changed because God changed us. And the idea of holiness is set apart. It is unique. It is different. It is changed. And it is important for us to walk in that manner of life because of what God has done in our life. It's because it is an ongoing sanctifying process that he talks about there in verse 3. He might read that and go, this is a really big word, sanctification. What does that mean? And there's three areas that we like to talk about in regards to sanctification. And that is that when we came to Christ, he sanctified us in the work of his blood and his salvation. And there's the ongoing process. This is a sanctifying process in which we are becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. And the good news, or bad news, depending on how you want to view it, is that we will not fully be sanctified until we are with Christ in eternity. Which means we get to do this over and over and over and over again. For some of you who are repetitious, great news. For some of us who just want to check off the list and go, I want to be done... You got, you got some waiting to do. I'm sorry. But Paul says that we are to continually grow. We are continually to be walking forward in this manner of life. And why is it so important? It's because the rest of the world does not walk this way. In fact, verse 5, he says, Do not walk like those who do not know God. We are people who are changed, as Romans chapter 12 says. We are living out life, not perfectly, but in a trajectory towards Christ. A life that points others to him. We're living out the fruits of the spirit that we see in Galatians. We read about how we are to interact differently, such as in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, of how husbands and wives are supposed to interact with each other, and children to interact with their parents, and employers to work with their employees, and vice versa. We are people who are changed for the gospel. And we do it because it is important to point people to Christ. And so what are some practical ways that we can go about doing it? How do I live out what Paul is talking about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Well, number one, we already talked a little bit about it, but you need to be somebody who has been changed by Jesus. You have to be a saved individual, somebody who's placed their, their faith in Christ. And for some of us here this morning, maybe you've been doing church for a long time or playing the game of doing all the religious things. You can take this first step here this morning by placing your faith in Christ. 
You can take that first step into walking in obedience to a God who loves you enough to send his son to die for you. And all you need to do is what we talked about earlier about acknowledging your sinfulness, acknowledging your brokenness, that you are a sinner in need of a savior, that you have broken God's rules. Confess that before him and believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, the only possible way that you may get your sins paid for. But it doesn't just end there. We have to be like a plant that is growing, and we need to know the truths of God's word. we got to dig down deep. And not just, I read a Bible verse, or I read a passage or a chapter of the Bible, but we need to live it out. Right? If I l- read about loving my brothers, and I am a terrible person and never love anybody, and people look at me and go, Pastor Ryan, you're the most selfish person I've ever known. That's a problem. Our lives need to demonstrate a holiness, a change, a set-apartness. And we'll never know the instructions unless we read about them. In fact, I'm going to guarantee for you, in your household, you probably never thought you'd have to make a rule that your pens, crayons, markers, paints are not to be used on your walls of your house. Or their siblings. Or the dog. Or whatever, right? You never thought you had to make that rule. But probably came very quickly that you instructed your children to not do that anymore. And so now they know the instructions and now they need to live out what you set before them, but you probably did not instruct them in the moment prior to. I know we didn't. And so that was a fun conversation. Please don't mark up our walls with your paint, markers, crayons, all those fun things. We like the paint that's on there. Thank you. But we instruct our children. Why? Because we love them. And we have a God who has stepped down out of heaven to meet us so that we may know the instructions to live a life that is pleasing to him, to fulfilling the purpose that he set out for us. And one of the ways we do that is that we have boundaries in our lives. And it's not just so important to have boundaries, right? Sometimes we set up guide rails at our homes or around our lives and we just kind of blow past them and go, well, that was a good idea at the time. But God takes seriously these things. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 6 that no one may transgress and wrong his brothers in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And so Paul is reminding us it's important for us to set up boundaries, to live self-controlled lives that will demonstrate and produce in us a life that looks vastly different from the rest of the world around us. So I want us to consider here this morning Mr. Potato Head. I don't know if you've been privileged with owning one of these in your household, and yours might look vastly different than the one I'm holding here this morning. But Mr. Potato Head is a fun toy, as long as nobody chews on the small parts and chokes. Um, So small children in your household, probably not the time for this toy. But Mr. Potato Head has gone through a lot of transformations in his life. 
Uh, I have a particular piety, Mr. Potato Head. Yours may look something similar to the one on the screen there. But regardless, Mr. Potato Head has fun, interchangeable parts, and we can take off the arms, we can take off the feet, we can take off the hat, all these pieces, and we can interchange them and make all sorts of different-looking Mr. Potato Heads. But the base root, no matter what parts we put into Mr. Potato Head, he's still Mr. Potato Head, right? People are able to recognize this toy in your household, and no matter how many interchangeable or missing parts he may have, he's still Mr. Potato Head, right? The image of Mr. Potato Head remains. And so for some of us, we may like to take out an arm or change something out. And that's okay, right? Because as long as we can identify Mr. Potato Head as Mr. Potato Head, it's still a good thing. And for us as Christians, sometimes we'll set boundaries in our lives so that we maintain the image of Christ. And why boundaries are important, why guide rails are important in our lives is because we want to be able to continue to grow and be able to have people who look at us and be able to see Jesus through us. But just like Mr. Potato Head has interchangeable parts, we may like certain boundaries in our lives differently than others. But what matters at the end of the day is that when people look at our lives, do they see a person who is a follower of Jesus, a disciple who is passionately pursuing him with their whole being. Because if they cannot, that's an issue. People should be able to look at your life and see a life that has been chained by the gospel and be able to see Jesus through you. And if they cannot, we need to set some boundaries in our lives so we may grow and walk in a manner worthy of the gospel which brings us to the final one of our practical steps, and that is that we need to take seriously what God takes seriously. And what Paul writes there at the end of that passage, he says, For God's not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Take seriously what God says. If God says in his word, don't do this, guess what? He means don't do that. Just like you as a parent would tell your kids, don't do this, and you expect them to walk in that manner, God has done some same things for us in his word, and we must walk in obedience to them. And if we need to set out boundaries in our lives that allow us to do that very thing, then we need to walk in that. And the danger, too, is sometimes when we have boundaries in our own lives, we are quick to judge others around us if they do not have the same type of boundaries. But in those gray areas of our life, it may not be as necessary for that person to have that boundary because they have other safeguards placed for them to walk. So my challenge for us here this morning is that we must consider what it takes for us as followers of Christ to walk in a manner of life and to allow our lives to demonstrate the gospel of Christ to those around us. And in fact, a number of years ago, there was a presumption that uh, in the church, this idea of purity was not very popular. In fact, they said the purity culture was toxic to a Christian's walk. And while I agree not everything about the purity movement was good, the idea and principles behind it are rooted in God's word. In fact, that's why Paul writes in verse 3 that this is the will of God for you to abstain from sexual immorality 
to have a self-controlled life. And that was at the heart of the purity movement. And so Paul says, you know what? If at the end of the day you don't like the fact that you are to live a life that is wholly set apart to God, don't, don't give me grief, Paul, or don't give Pastor Ryan grief. It is something that God has set as a standard for us to live and walk in. And that's the purpose to which Christ is calling us, a life that is pleasing and honoring to God. But then that brings us into the second area that we need to grow in here this morning, and that is we need to grow in our influence in Christ. You might think to yourself, well, what is the definition of influence that we are trying to seek here this morning? And by definition of the dictionary, it's to have an effect on character, development, or behavior of someone. And I, being a good millennial, when I see the word influence, I can't help but think of social media and the influencers as they get deemed in their circles. Those people who are passionate about promoting a brand, promoting a product, they are trying to have an effect on your character, your development, or your behavior to push something towards you. And they are passionate and they are devoted to that type of living. And I can't help but wonder, what if we had a similar mentality towards those in Christ, towards the world around us? Now, I'm not saying, you know, tonight or this afternoon, you need to go open up a TikTok or a Twitter or an Instagram or a Facebook account and be an influencer on social media. But what I am saying is that we need to adopt the mentality that I'm going to walk my life in such a way to influence others for Christ. And how God leads you in that is between you and him. But for, for our first hour of service this morning, we had a lot of gray hairs. And I said, I'm not expecting this of you. But if you want to do it, you go for it. So what I'm going to tell you is, if you want to go for it, go for it. However God leads you to influence people for Christ, go about doing it. But what's important for us is that we are growing in our walk with Jesus so that we may live a life that is pleasing to God, a life that is producing an effect in the lives of those around us. So Paul is saying here in verses 9 through 12 is that as we have received Christ, there should be a natural process. There should be a natural going out of our direct influence in the people's lives that we are around with intentionality. And the way that this does not happen is I'm not going to walk up to somebody, stand next to them, and rub my arm, and pixie Jesus dust is going to sprinkle onto them. They're going to become more like Jesus. Right? That's not intentionality. Intentionality for me as a follower of Christ is I'm going to have conversations with them. I'm going to talk with them. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to share things with them because I want to have the effect on their character. I want to have an effect on their behavior, but ultimately I want to affect them for Jesus Christ. And this will never be a once and done achievement. This is a continual growing pattern for us. And so growing in Christ means that we work towards knowing Jesus more and then living it out amongst other people and then doing it all over again in a circular pattern of growth. So again, for my people who liked a check mark of once and done, this isn't it. Paul says that we must continue on. So verse 9, he says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. 
For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. So essentially what Paul is saying, if he was writing to the 21st century Thessalonica today, he's like, you guys are great influencers for Christ. Your social media presence, your whatever presence in the life of the churches of Macedonia and your surrounding region, you are doing an awesome job at it. Keep pressing forward. Keep being intentional. Keep growing in your walk in Christ. Keep doing the things that you are doing. Because as we grow in Christ, we are working to know Jesus more and to live out that practicality before them. He goes on there in verse 11. He says, and that you are to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Now, we may read that passage and go, okay, I'm supposed to live a hermit-like lifestyle, right? I'm not supposed to interfere with people's lives. I'm not supposed to interact with them whatsoever. But that's not what Paul is saying here. In fact, if we were to have time this morning to continue on to verse 13 and beyond, we would read that the church of Thessalonica struggled with this idea of knowing when Jesus was going to return. And they were anxious for his return. And even at one point, the church was concerned that they missed it. And so because they were so fixated on that return, they were starting to not do the daily normalcies of life that was required of them, such as working and providing and caring for their families. And Paul saying, no, no, no. That's not what you're to do. You, you must grow your influence for Christ in the everyday normalcies that we face. So some of the ways that we can do that is by being around our neighbors, raking our leaves, interacting with them on a daily basis or a weekly basis, or speaking with our coworkers and helping them see the importance of Jesus in our lives, lives that are changed, that are holy, that are transformed by the gospel. Or at the very least, we are people who, we probably eat, what, two to three meals a day, and we're willing to invite people over to our home and let them see the mess. Because when they see people who've been changed by Jesus and how they interact with the mess, it brings credibility to the gospel. And when we mess up and when we are messy and we confess that before them, it brings credibility to the gospel. In fact, just the other day we were having a conversation with somebody and I was encouraged by sort of this comment. I'm glad your kids have tantrums. I'm glad your kids have acting out issues. And I was like, why? It means my kids are normal. So parents, invite people into the mess of your home. Allow them to see the gospel in work and how your parenting is different than the rest of the world. Right? We don't walk in the passions of our anger and frustrations normally. And we love them because Jesus loved us. And you bring credibility to the gospel through that. And that's just normal, everyday, boring life. And Paul was challenging the church of Thessalonica that you need to continue on living that way. Or another way that he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that you may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. You might ask the question, well, Pastor Ron, how do you know that the church struggled with this anxiety of moving forward and not living out life as they should? 
Well, Paul writes again to them in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. He says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And I love the way that MacArthur puts it in regards to how we are to live life with purpose and influence. In his commentary on First and Second Thessalonians, Paul, John MacArthur writes that Paul's antidote is for us to stay out of other people's business, lead quiet, unobtrusive lives that serve fellow believers and glorify the Lord before unbelievers. So we do life in community. But Paul's concern was that the church of Thessalonica was so concerned about the return of Christ that they were neglecting important everyday tasks and they were being, a, in essence, bad testimony of a changed life through Jesus. And maybe they were starting to weigh on others around them, like, why aren't you as concerned about the return of Christ? Why aren't you doing all this and stirring up strife? And so Paul is saying, Live peaceable lives, not lives filled with gossips, not lives spreading rumors or ideologies that are not true, but live lives that point to a life that's changed, a life that is pushing forward for the gospel. And the best way we display the gospel and grow our influence is when we live lives with integrity and make the gospel credible through changed lives. Again, not perfect, because we never will be this side of heaven. But when we do mess up, we are willing to admit it and confess it before those that we are living in front of. And that brings credibility to the message of Jesus Christ. So as we consider here this morning how we are to grow in our purpose in Christ and grow in our influence, those things are a balancing act that will produce in us a changed life that is attractive. Right? As I live my life to please God and to live my life in, self, self, a, live my life in such a way to be self-controlled, God-honoring, that will influence others around me and increase the ability to share the hope of Christ with those around us. And so my question for us here then is, how does your life show devotion to God? And for some of us, we might need to increase in our purpose, our understanding that my life is to glorify God, to please him, to live a life that is set apart for him. For some of us here this morning, we might need to increase our influence. And so that might mean I need to interact with my neighbors more or my family members more or my coworkers more for the sake of Christ. But no matter where we fall on this spectrum, even if we're really good at it, we can continue to grow more and more, as Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica, mature and go more for Christ because we will never fully achieve perfection this side of heaven, which is good news. Because when we mess up, it means we just haven't obtained to the final product yet, and Christ is still working in us. But the way we do that is by digging deep into God's word, studying it, living it out, and asking for the Holy Spirit to begin the work in us to change us more into the image of Christ because we cannot do it in our own power. It has to be done through the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us, and we'll conclude our service here for this morning. 
Father God, I want to thank you for the salvation that you brought to us through Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you and thank you for the name of Jesus and the change that he brought into our lives. God, I pray that as we consider here this morning our influence and our purpose in our lives, that you would weigh heavy on our hearts to live lives that are changed by the gospel, to live lives that are credible to the work and mission that you have set before us. And Father, I pray that as we consider here this morning the importance of, the, of your word and to living it out, that you would press deeply in our hearts a desire to learn and grow in our walk with you for the sake of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for our seniors who are graduate. I pray that you would give them wisdom in their days ahead, that you would produce in them the change that we've talked about here as well, and help them continue on to be a testimony to the world around them as they move out. We pray these things in Jesus' strong name. Amen.